Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye Jr. As everybody knows, January 15th is uh, the 41st, uh, well, actually, it's the 41st March and Rally, but uh, the King holiday that was signed into law on uh, November 2nd, 1983 by President Ronald Reagan and designated the third Monday of uh, 1986 to be the first federal holiday for Dr. King. So uh, to, to that end, we're going to, and I know that my first guest is in a hurry. She's on the phone. Uh, her name is Sharon, Representative Sharon Tomiko Santos. So here we'll go right to Representative Santos because she's on a tight schedule right now. Uh, Representative Santos, uh, Happy New Year, first of all, and welcome to Urban Forum Northwest once again. And I know that uh, this is going to be a short session, so I was going to have you comment on what were your primary objectives in terms of any kind of legislation or rule changes you'd like to see have made for the members of your district and for the state of Washington? Yes, uh, thank you, Eddie, and uh, uh, I appreciate this time to talk to you and to your listening audience. Uh, as you pointed out, the um, the uh, legislature is going to be convening for the 2024 legislative session beginning on Monday, uh, January 8th. It is a short 60-day session. Uh, that means that we have to have all of our work done, uh, and we have to adjourn signy die on March 7th. This is, um, and some of your readers or some of your listeners may know this, um, this is what we call a supplemental year where we are doing effectively tweak the past as well as to the budget to account for uh, changes in um, uh, revenues or uh, changes in caseload. Um, having said that, uh, we do know that there's a lot of unfinished business uh, with respect to many of our communities. So, for example, um, I know that uh, some of my colleagues are really anxious to start addressing uh, some of the ongoing gaps in police accountability uh, that have um, uh, really been emphasized by the recent uh, ruling in the Manuel Ellis uh uh, case. Um, sorry, somebody tried to just back into me. For me, my priorities really are about trying to make sure that as we are developing uh, strong uh, policies to support communities of color, that all communities of color are represented and we don't we can't see all communities if we're not counting all communities and so i'm really looking at potentially some uh legislation around disaggregated data uh that goes beyond just the k-12 because we have that in the k-12 system but not in the early learning system not in the post-secondary uh system uh, or in employment. Um, so that's an example of a legislative priority that I have. Uh, in addition to that, um, I have been talking to many, many organizations within uh, the 37th Legislative District about our capital needs, uh, both for housing, as we're trying to address the housing crisis, um, uh, whether it's specialty housing for 
uh, elders uh, or for uh, for people who are trying to recover uh, from substance abuse uh, issues. Um, we uh, have a great need and to see some strong investments from the state budget in our community, which has been so underinvested in for generations. Um, lastly, I think uh, what we really want to do is begin setting ourselves up uh, for future success. Again, this is a short session, so and I don't think I can emphasize that enough. Uh, uh, what does that mean? It means that uh, in week three uh, of the legislative session, I will be scheduling my very last meetings uh, for before policy cutoff. Um, I'm sorry. Can I just check, Eddie? Can you hear me? No, no problem. No, no problem at all. Oh. You just will be in Olympia, so we can still we can get updates from you because uh, you will just be right down the road in Olympia. But I, I, yeah. uh, Representative Santos, are you still chair of the House Education Committee? Yes, Eddie, I am. Okay. Because I know that you, yeah. your emphasis was on education, and I want to confirm the fact that you were still the chair of the Washington State House of Representatives Education Committee. So you're speaking yeah. with authority. That's one of the things we like to have on this program. Thank you very much. Right. Now go ahead and proceed with your next agenda item. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so what I was, uh, I just wanted to use that illustration so that everyone had a, a clear understanding about how fast everything is going to be moving. And so. The expectation is that any legislation that is going to be successful uh, has to have been well developed throughout this past interim. Um, on the subject uh, of uh, education, I think the thing that I really want to uh, share are two pieces of, uh, well, there's three pieces of legislation that I have prioritized uh, for my committee. One is um, uh, House Bill 1479 deals with isolation and restraint. Um, as you know, uh, there have been many instances where um, students uh, have uh, been restrained or isolated, and it's traumatic for the student. It's traumatic for classmates who see this happening. Uh, there is, of course, uh, a residual effect when um, uh, students, for whatever reason, may be acting out, having some behavioral issues. Um, but uh, and, and in a worst-case scenario, where uh, students have uh, attacked and brought harm to uh, educators, so there is a balance that has to go on. But overall, uh, I want to make sure that. Um, your listeners know that we are looking at um, trying to pass legislation that puts a full stop prohibition on practices of isolation and restraint. Partly because we know that this is not just about special education students, that's where a lot of concern uh, seems to come from, but it also happens to uh, disproportionately affect students of color. Um, and uh, and it's not an appropriate uh, educational 
uh, tool, I think, to um, bring additional trauma to our students. So uh, we'll see how far that can go. I know that it's challenging because um, uh, many of the educators are saying, well, yeah, we don't believe in isolation and restraint either, but some of these kids are bigger than us and um, they're stronger than us when they get all amped up. So it's not going to be an easy thing. It is going to be a priority, and we'll see how far we can go. The second priority... Uh, well, Representative, you know, so let me just stop and say that it sounds to me like there needs to be some parental in- intervention. Uh, that should not just be put on the teachers or the administrators in public schools or any school. Uh, if a kid is getting out of, out of line, I mean, there has got to be parental con- uh, intervention. So uh, I can't let uh, parents off the hook who, especially if they know the, the young person is aggressive, male or female, doesn't matter. But I just think that uh, uh, there needs to be some parental uh, intervention. And I certainly hope that you heard enough from the parents uh, in this whole year, uh, uh, as you uh, had your meetings all during the year about what some of the solutions they suggested. Did you get any from parents? Absolutely. In fact, the, um uh, if people tune in to the education committee meetings for the first week, uh, you will find that um, I'm going to actually have uh, uh, work sessions for my first meeting and my second meeting. Uh, the first meeting is just to lay out uh, the uh, findings of a report done by Disability Rights Washington uh, about what is happening in the schools. Um, the uh, day two, we're going to hear from parents. We're going to hear from students. We're also going to hear from teachers. Um, so, because I think it is very important that we hear from all um, all of the different aspects of uh, uh, the system that are uh, supposed to be working together to help support and, frankly, educate our our kids. So um, certainly welcome people to tune in to TVW and observe our two work sessions on Monday and Tuesday. Um, Certainly welcome uh, people to send in their public testimony on House Bill 1479 uh, when that building has, uh, when that uh, bill has its public hearing on Thursday. Um, But I think you're right. It is a balance. We cannot put all of the uh, responsibility for uh, children's behavior uh, on the um, on the educators in the system. I absolutely agree with that. Well, Representative Santos, before you have to go, I want to thank you once again. It was five years ago, time flies, but you sponsored House Bill 1918 that returned the building that started out at Seattle Opportunities Industrialization Center brought here by Reverend Dr. Sammy Barry McKinney. I know after the vote, he was smiling down from upstairs, but uh, <laughs> I just want to thank you, thank you for that. And uh, the uh, it's moving forward. If, you know, there was a lot of work to do. The building was in very bad shape. The community college system shape. had just let it go to hell, to be honest with you. But uh, yeah. so uh, Gerald Bradford, uh, president of the board, also is overseeing some of the repairs and uh, construction that's going on. And there are meetings there, as a matter of fact, on uh, Saturday, uh, the 13th, uh, there will be a youth activity at that building as a part of the Seattle Martin Luther King Jr. Organizing Coalition. So we really okay. do thank you. And uh, anything we can do to support you, 
uh, let us know. And if there's anything, I need to get the word out about people showing up, standing up, showing up, standing up and speaking up, because that's what we need. Because if you're out of sight, you're out of mind. If you're not on the right. uh, if you're not on the field, you're not in the game. So thank that's you very right. much, and we really do appreciate everything you've done. Well, thank you, Eddie, and I really appreciate you and your leadership uh, through all of the years, uh, making sure that our communities uh, collectively, especially our communities of color, um, are, are are heard and that our issues are not brushed aside. I have uh, photographs of a very young Eddie Rye that are up in my office where you were doing a sit-in with... Uh, uh, some some elected officials office so um you've been at it a long time and so i stand on your shoulders and i thank you representative santos uh you know i've been an activist along with uh, the gossips the bernie white bears the bob uncle bob santos uh you know that's uh, uh quite a legacy those four gentlemen had the the gang of four uh, and they did an outstanding job. They left stuff that people we will see and uh, appreciate, including all the housing and the ID and stuff that Uncle Bob put together and all the stuff that Bernie Whitebeard did together. And, uh, you know, uh, Roberto Maestas, you know, we look at El Centro de la Raza and it's just expanding. Stella Ortega is doing an outstanding job. So thank you once again and Happy New Year. And let me know when I need to bring a posse down uh, to, uh, I mean, a, a group of registered voters down to Olympia. <laughs> I'll lead a posse to the Proud Boys. But when when uh, you need a group of uh, concerned citizens and registered voters to come down, please give me a call. I sure will. Thank you so much, Eddie, and thank you to all of your listeners. All right, Representative Santos, thank you very much. My next guest is a distinguished pastor of New Beginnings Christian Fellowship in Kent, Washington, uh, the distinguished gentleman is the Reverend Dr. Leslie D. Braxton, pastor of that institution uh, that is expanding, growing, saving souls, and providing opportunities and uh, a lot, of, a lot of direction to a lot of people that need direction, like me. <laughs> but Reverend Braxton, welcome to Reverend Forum Northwest once again. And I see that uh, you have a big event coming up on uh, the fifteenth at seven p.m. at New Beginnings, but I want to want to have you reflect on Martin Luther King Jr. You know, a lot of times in these King celebrations, there's going to be a prayer breakfast they have every year, which I appreciate. But uh, oftentimes, the committees always uh, don't include the aspect that first and foremost, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was a Baptist pastor. Yes, Martin Luther King Jr. was a a um born again blood washed spirit filled preacher of the gospel of jesus christ uh christ a a jew who comes out of the tradition of justice justice in the book of deuteronomy um what does the lord require of the book of amos but to do justly to love mercy to walk humbly with our god and so in american society you've had two forms of Christianity. You've had a, a heretical strain that accommodated slavery and white supremacy that the slave masters preached that was otherworldly to take focus off a world in which sin was systematized toward non-white people. This was the religion 
of uh, Billy Sunday, Billy Graham, who wouldn't go across the Edmund Pettus Bridge, generations of slaveholders who preached the household code, servants obey your master, but never got over to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Never got over what is the fast that the Lord wants from you in Isaiah, the first chapter, except to let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. That was the constant thread throughout the Jewish scriptures the justice is the character of our God, justice being the expression of love between groups. And so Jesus comes out of that justice tradition by which he gives us the golden rule, saying the whole law and the prophets comes down to this, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And um, so you have the Martin King strain of the church where, as Howard Thurman says, Christianity at the end of the day is the religion of those folks who have their backs against the wall. You have the slave masters who developed a heretical strain of Christianity that accommodated itself to the interests of the powerful against the powerless. And then right beneath their feet, Christianity was restored to its authentic expression among the very people that they enslaved who grabbed that faith that the slave masters were, were, were embarrassing and making a shame out of. And they said, everybody talking about heaven ain't going there. And they said, you know what? They hung us, they hang us on a tree like they hung Jesus on a tree. Um, and they, out of that came the uh, faith tradition that offered both individual salvation and social justice, individual salvation and social justice. John 3, 16, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life, uh, personal salvation, but also held on to Amos, what does the Lord require of thee, but to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with thy God. There is individual salvation and social justice. That is the full gospel. That's tradition of Martin Luther King Jr. as opposed to the tradition of Billy Graham, Billy Sunday, um, and all those who came before them, the, the, the conservative, evangelical, white right wing of the church today that continues to offer the world an uh, inauthentic, heretical strain of Christianity that aligns itself with the interests of the powerful over the powerless. And uh, why don't you reflect on some of the movements that Dr. King led? Uh, you know, we have some people saying, well, we should have elected officials involved. Uh, and, uh, you know, and a lot of the things are, are you know, like people's personal political agenda. Uh, how do we get the, the Civil Rights Act of 64 passed and the Voting Rights Act of 65 passed if Dr. King wasn't at the table with elected officials? Absolutely. It's it's about the Christianity. A faith tradition is not isolated from the world. It is in tension with the world. The, the faith community, which is the conscience, speaks truth to power. So it has to be not a voice crying in the wilderness, but eventually you're a voice at the table. Um, who are holding society in all of its apparatus, the political structure, the social structure, um, the economic order, holding it to a moral standard that um, acknowledges, protects, and reveres human value, human right, individual and group, uh, and the norms and the beauty of love and justice for all people. And so if it were not for the pressure from the church 
um, not in a partisan fashion, um, but the pressure for society to live up to what it had promised. One nation under God, indivisible liberty and justice for all, equal access, equal opportunity, equal rights at the law. That's what we said we were. And Dr. King, out of his religious conviction, held America's feet to the fire of what it had enshrined in its constitution, but was violating it every day for the sake of white supremacy. Now, uh, you have an event, uh, New Beginnings has an event coming up on uh, uh, Monday, the King holiday at 7 p.m. And uh, Reverend Dr. Evans, who is, uh, I guess, a a superhero at Berkeley School of (laughs) Divinity, is going to be the speaker. And uh, we still might try to get him on prior to that, but uh, you've done a good job. As Kevin Bates and the, the team out at New Beginnings, they always do a good job in getting the word out. So I do give uh, Kevin kudos for that. But why don't you tell us a little bit about the event and also about the speaker? Well, Dr. Joseph Evans, he occupies the endowed chair, the the endowed J. Alfred Smith Sr. Chair of Theology um, in the public square. That is how religion spills out of the temple, out of the mosque, out of the church, into the street in economics and politics and social justice. When we're not a people who are so heavily bound, we're no earthly good. That is the church at its best. Um, And so he has been in that position for about a year. I was a a board member at the Berkeley School of Theology for five years, and I still work with the uh, recruitment uh, committee and and was part of the search to bring um, Dr. Evans uh, to the Berkeley School of Theology. He is also uh, the director of the uh, the Black Church Studies uh, department there um, at the Berkeley School of Theology. Brilliant scholar, fabulous preacher in the finest tradition of the Black Church oratory tradition. And he's going to be our guest speaker on Monday, January 15th, the actual uh, birthday of Martin King legal holiday, which line up this year, 7 p.m. at the New Beginnings Christian Fellowship, 19300 108th Avenue Southeast in Kent. And um, it is being sponsored by the Evergreen Association of Baptist Churches. The Evergreen Association of Baptist Churches will be coming together. There's going to be a fabulous uh, 40 plus person choir singing. Um, we're gonna, and, and we'll be treated to the, uh, sermon slash address by Dr. Joseph Evans, who will also be preaching at the new beginnings the day before on the 14th, uh, at its nine thirty service. Now we also will be treated Eddie for making a whole weekend out of it. the Berkeley school of theology, which now offers certificate programs and degree programs at the Masters of Arts level, the Master of Divinity level, and the uh, Doctor of Ministry uh, level offers them in-residence, offers them hybrid, a combination of in-residence and online, and offers them complete online degree programs. And so on Saturday, uh, January 13th at 11 a.m., where the school is hosting at New Beginnings in the Fellowship Hall, hosting an alumni uh, fellowship from 11 a.m. to 12, local um, Berkeley School of Theology, which was formerly the American Baptist Seminary of the West, 
um, alumni like Reverend David L. Ancorn, who's a local alumni. And then at 12 o'clock, there's going to be an emerging ministries luncheon for people who are called but have not received their theological education yet, or maybe pastoring but never previously had an opportunity for theological education, you can now get it online. You don't have to move to Berkeley. There's degree programs available for you at all levels of education. And so they're going to be presenting the full programs. The president of Berkeley School of Theology, Reverend Dr. James uh, Brenneman will also be here. He will be speaking at the luncheon along with Dr. Joseph Evans. Um, and they will both be, uh, Dr. Brenneman will also be bringing remarks on Monday night while Dr. Evans is presenting the keynote address and Dr. Brenneman will be preaching over at First Baptist Church in Seattle on Sunday morning. Now, is, did uh, Reverend Dr. Kerry Anderson, the pastor at First Amy, was he a graduate of Berkeley School of Divinity? I'm not quite sure. Don't give me the lion. I, I, I don't. I think, I think he was. I think he, he's from the California area, so I think. He's from the California area, but he Methodist, so he might have gone to a Methodist school, but he might have, he because Berkeley School of Theology, until two years ago, was known for 75 years as the American Baptist Seminary of the West. Okay. So I'm not quite sure what uh, seminary um, Dr. Kerry Anderson went to. All right. Well, I just I just thought that that I don't know why that's in my mind that he he had went there. So now, with a couple of minutes left, I just want to think: what was the most significant thing that Dr. King, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. accomplished? I think the most significant thing to in, to sum it up is that Martin King. Um, was the uh, leader, the face, the voice, the brand for a coast-to-coast -coast movement, a wave of, of people who fought to reconstitute American society on a broader base of liberty. What was enshrined in our Constitution was only applied to a segment of our society, and others were formally defined in terms of de jure in the South and informally in terms of de facto in the North, they were relegated to a second class citizenship. Um, the movement of the civil rights movement was the, 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 the processes uh, to move people in the second class level of citizenship to break those glass ceilings um, uh, and move into being able to actualize and access and, and put their hands on first-class citizenship and all of its entitlements and responsibilities. That was his achievement. He helped, you know, one person put, said, George Washington fought to found America. Abraham Lincoln fought to preserve America, but Martin Luther King Jr. fought to make America work. That's a fantastic way to end it, Pastor. So anyway, uh, full weekend at New Beginnings Christian Fellowship. Uh, if you go to uh, NBCF.org, is that, uh, that yep. uh, NBCF.org? Kevin Meeks and the team will have all that information online for you. Uh, some of you wannabes, you can go out there and see what it really is and talk to the people who can ma make you uh, a real, real member of the clergy. So, Pastor and Dr. Brown Joseph Evans is committed to next Thursday at 2 p.m. He texted me this morning. Okay, well, we'll hear from hear from Dr. Evans next week, and I certainly appreciate it. All you right, know it's man. vacation time and holidays, so thank you very much for being here. We'll talk to Dr. Evans next week.
God bless you. Look forward to seeing everybody on the 13th, 14th, and 15th. God bless you. I'll see you Sunday. All righty. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Well, uh, before we take this break, uh, Eric, I want to give a shout out to Sound Transit Office of Civil Rights, Equity and Inclusion, the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office, the City of Seattle's Purchasing and Instruction Services Department, SeaTag Bar Group, LLC, uh, the two Army veteran officers uh, own the Mountain Room Bar and uh, the Africa Lounge on Concourse A at SeaTac. So we're going to take this break here at some King and come back with our next guest after this. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the Port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seatacshops.com. At Sound Transit, we not only connect more people to more places, we're making life better for all. We're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire region of opportunities, like jobs and school. If you have an ORCA card, you can just tap and go. We have reduced fares for seniors and riders with disabilities. For adults with lower incomes, check out ORCA Lift and pay just a dollar for your ride. To plan your trip or to learn more, visit us at soundtransit.org. On the path to good health and well-being? Alternative Talk 1150 is the station for you. That we want all of our rights. We want them here, and we want all of them not next year, not next week, but we want them now at this hour. This is what you hey, Dr. King, uh, what he was preaching then is applicable to today. When you see all these efforts to eliminate uh, and all named it African Americans, African descent, United States enslaved. The people who have been here for over 400 years, the people who provided 256 years of free labor as slaves, 160 years as Jim Crow, and uh, died in every war. And then we got to get in line and get behind everybody else. Uh, I really think that uh, that's something we just can't tolerate, shouldn't be tolerated. And uh, there needs to be, we talk about reparations, there needs to be a set-aside program for African descendants, United States enslaved, in education, in contracting, and in employment, and in, in uh, economics, and in, in banking. All that needs to come about for the people who have been here so long, who made this country an economic power by creating that, that 300 years, 256 years of free labor, and then 160 years of marginalized labor. Now we got people like Ed Bloom trying to file lawsuits against all of these uh universities to keep black folks out, Stephen Miller out of the uh, Trump administration doing the same thing. And the unfortunate thing is they don't realize that if it hadn't been for the real Black Panthers and for the uh, uh, 761st uh, Tank Battalion and others, some of their uh, grandparents and great-grandparents would have still, still been in concentration camps. So, you know, some people are old 
And it's too bad that we have people with short memories. We also have people like Ron DeSantis, other who don't want the history of black folks told. And uh, I've told other friends, it's time for us to reach for economic assistance outside of the United States of America because the stripes will not change. But uh, I see that I was that Kendra Lydell has joined in on the conversation. And uh, Kendra, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest. You've been a longtime laborer in the vineyards yeah. uh, with the, the Seattle Martin Luther King Organizing Coalition and the Seattle Celebration Committee before the name was changed. So, uh, <laughs> and you're responsible for what in, in uh, the organization, Kendra? My role this year is the program subcommittee lead. So I am responsible to work with the committee and come up with um, dynamic speakers and youth speakers and performers and just really bring out the celebration for the rally portion of the event on Monday the 15th. Well, tell us a little bit about uh, what we can expect to see on that day. Absolutely. Well, you know, I there's a couple things leading up to that. So I want to make sure that folks are aware that we really have um, a jam-packed event Yes, on the 15th, but also the week prior. So on Thursday, January 11th, we'll be having a community dialogue workshop at Washington Hall. And then that Sunday on January 14th, our youth interns will be hosting a youth event that'll be held at the McKinney Center. So those are a couple of things leading up. And then yes, on Monday, we start bright and early at 8.30 with the Opportunity Fair. And then our workshops will um, also run the week prior. So January 9th to the 13th, there'll be some workshops online. And then the day of MLK Day on the 15th, there will be workshops starting as early as 9.15. And they will end shortly before 11, which is when our actual gym rally will start. And we will head out for the march around 12.30 and, and have an end rally there. Okay, now where is the march going to? Is it still under wraps and secret? The march will be ending at the federal building. So as far as I know, it is not under wraps and secret. Is it the new federal um, building on, on 8th and Olive? You ask all the right questions, Eddie. I don't have that specific okay. information, um, but I, I know that it is the federal building. Um, well, we'll get the word out. We have, yeah, we can, we have 11 days before, before that <laughs> day. And I have uh, several people that's going to be on next to the inclusive uh, chair, uh, Sade Moore, she's going to be on along with uh, DeMarley and Sisney, who has uh, uh, been doing a lot of technology work. We want to have those folks like DeMarley want to have him. We call him Dr. D. We want to have him with a table at the Opportunity Fair so the younger folks don't have to just look at us OGs. They can see somebody they can relate to. And so that's why I'm glad you're involved, too, because we really got to get the younger folks involved. Because tell you, we have some serious challenges before us as Black folks in this country. Mm -hmm. And it's like... uh, Ron DeSantis and a lot of other people want you to forget uh, for the contributions that African-Americans made. I say African descent, United States enslaved and mm-hmm. other folks from uh, Africa and uh, uh, the Car- Caribbean uh, over the, since uh, the 1920s and the folks came here. So mm-hmm. uh, we can't allow people to say that uh, we're requesting something that we don't deserve. Mm-hmm. But as far as I'm concerned, if you talk about reparations, there's got to be uh, reparations, a set aside of admissions to colleges, universities, mm-hmm. uh, contracts, jobs, Absolutely. And, uh, as well as uh, uh, education. I mean, there, there has to, that, you know, if we're talking serious about reparations, 
The people who built this country for free, and like my daughter said, we built this joint for free. Yes. We did, when you really look at it, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, slavery made this country an economic power. And uh, you got a lot of people want don't want you to think about it. You know, uh, they don't want it taught in schools. They don't want the truth told about, uh, you know, families having a social outing when they were hanging black people at a picnic. It was, uh, they brought their kids. And another thing they don't want you to know is about the two black men that tried to vote in Oki, uh, Florida in 1920, uh, burned their whole town down, including the churches and took the land. And every time there was an atrocity, uh, the blacks were killed. And the only time they didn't run them off the land, but they killed everybody on Black Wall Street. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, uh, you know, now we're old. I'm not going to let anybody forget it. You're not giving us a damn thing. Mm-hmm. We have earned everything that we got except for this abuse of racism that still confronts us on a, a, a denial of opportunities. You look at the fact that in Washington State, black contractors are doing better in Mississippi, Alabama, and Florida than they are in Washington State. Yeah. Congressman Benny Thompson in Mississippi said, you mean to tell me you black folks up in the Northwest need some help with racism and discrimination? So he did write a letter to Attorney General Mary Garland. The sad thing is that we have an Attorney General that will not investigate discrimination against African-Americans. It's plain and simple as that. And that's why so many people in the black community are, are cool to the Biden administration. We don't have any alternatives, uh, but that's why they're cool because we're not, they got all this money coming out the Jobs Act, the infrastructure, $1.75 trillion, And we got 10 black trucking firms sitting on the sidelines right now watching other truckers work and they're not working. So this economic injustice has got to end. But uh, Kendall, I want to go to... My good friend, uh, who is the uh, on the uh, King County Labor Council Executive Committee, Claude mm-hmm. Murphy, who is also helping with uh, getting people there for the Opportunity Fair Absolutely. and getting some of the unions and the apprenticeship programs involved. So, Claude, welcome and thank you for your work once again. Kendra, Kendra's on with us. Kendra Lydell is on with us. Hi, Claude. <laughs> are, are you on? Are you on? There you go. You got off Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, do you give us a quick overview of what people can expect from the labor side at the opportunity okay. on the 15th? What, so far, what I have done is uh, I've gotten about 10 different labor organizations, plus I have King County Sheriff Department that's going to be there uh, uh, talking to the young folks about how to uh, uh, get become uh, sheriffs and uh, King County Sheriff. Uh, they will be there with information. They will be there with people to talk to these young folks. I have the Maritime there that will be there. Uh, Vince O'Halloran and his crew will be there. I have uh, uh, IBEW 46 also that's going to be there and the Plumbers Union 32. Uh, we have the Carpenters. We have quite a few uh, labor organizations, uh, the building trades that will be there as well. And uh, so it's going to be an eventful day and uh, they will be there in support of our young uh, black and brown young men and women uh, uh, and giving them the information, talking to them, letting them know how to get involved in the trades what the trades are about. They will they will be educating these young folks so that they will 
have some understanding of what the trades are about and how to get involved in the trades. So it's going to be a great day for labor that day. And it's my understanding there will be approximately 50 other agencies and employers who will be there. There'll also be a resume enhancement room. Uh, that group is, you know, you've met with the Opportunity Fair Committee, uh, Claude, and right. very dedicated individuals, uh, I'm glad to hear that like John Flynn and Corey Sprouls and people like that, uh, Leslie Patton and others are taking the lead because they do this work they do every day. As a matter of fact, I'm going to try to get the executive director of the workforce development, Marie Caroso, on the line, if not next week, the week after that, so we can get some more information about exactly what's going on. So uh, we'll be uh, table set up and we're asking the alphas, Dr. King was an alpha, uh, helping Hayward and uh, uh, John uh, Glenn to set up uh, Friday uh, is going to be the 12th uh, at Garfield from 2 to 4. So if any of you alphas are listening, Dr. King was the alpha. This is about Dr. King now. So y'all got to show up, Roberto Jordan and, and, and you guys. So I want you guys to show up and make sure that Dr. King is represented uh, appropriately by his uh, fellow uh, uh Fraternity brothers. So, uh, Kendra, there's any any comments that anything that I'm missing, anything you want to add? You know, I just really appreciate your emphasis of, about around the youth involvement, right? And so, I, I've shared all the events and what's going on. Um, you know, we have the flyer image floating around, but just so that folks really understand that the MLK Coalition, um, the Celebration Committee, as it was founded, but now the coalition is really hard pressed about having youth involved so much so that we've established the internship for the youth. I believe this is our third year doing that where they're fully curating this youth event that happens on Sunday. So we really want people to come out and support that. And then our intention to involve young people in the program and rally, right? And then being a part of these workshops, getting the knowledge and passing it down. Cause like you mentioned, they don't want to teach it in school. So a lot of our kids aren't even in tune with the, the history in the past. You know, it's not as real to them because they're not hearing it, they're not learning it. And so this is a great opportunity for them to come out and learn and to also be a part of the movement and build a better future for our community. And you said there are gonna be several events this weekend. Can you uh, repeat those for us, please? Yes, so to kick off the MLK events starting January 9th, so next Tuesday, January 9th, will be the beginning of our online workshops. And you can find the list of workshops at our website. That's www.seattlemlkcoalition.org. So the workshops will be running online from the 9th through the 13th. And Thursday, there will be an in-person workshop at Washington Hall. So on January 11th at 530, there will be a community. Now that event. workshop at Washington Hall is about what? That's the Black Prisoners Caucus, and it'll be the women's chapter. So um, they will be facilitating that workshop. That's as much details as I have on hand right now, but you can visit the, uh, the website for more descriptions on that. On Sunday, January 14th at 2 p.m. will be the youth event at the McKinney Center. And again, it's another um, you know rally focused on the theme of MLK's Dream Unfinished, curated by young people and involving all the young people in our community. And then on Monday, we'll have the Opportunity Fair kickoff at 8.30. Those, the Opportunity Fair will run from 8.30 to 11.30. And we'll also have in-person workshops on Monday the 15th, starting at 
At 11 a.m., we will have the gym rally start at Garfield High School in their gym, and then we will depart for the march starting at 12.30, and we will end the march with another rally at our end destination. Um, the federal building. Which is the federal I'm gonna get. I, I'm going to get, I think it's the federal building, uh, the new federal building, the I new- think. Uh, so anyway, we'll make sure that people have it because we got another Thursday to go before then. Yes, and you we'll know, make sure. Uh, uh, this program, thanks to the, the, the genius of Eric back in the studio, two mm-hmm. hours after this live broadcast, this program will be available on Alexa, my oh. podcast online, so 24-7. So that way this information can continue to go out because I have more people listening there than actually at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Thursday. So mm-hmm. okay. I, I'm glad that Eric worked that out for us. Claude, do you have uh, any additional comments you'd like to make? Right. You from, you from you New know, Orleans. You have, now, why don't you just share a little bit about your personal story? You're from New <laughs> Orleans. You went to <laughs> Vietnam and came back and had to drink out the colored water fountain. Uh, well, my personal story, Eddie, will take a long time. But I do know that uh, I was born and raised up in New Orleans back in 1942 during the Jim Crow era. And we all know about Jim Crow. Uh, uh, I um, went went to segregated schools. Everything in the city, everything in the South was segregated. Uh, From the buses and uh, uh, the schools, you name it, was segregated. And uh, uh, we lived through that. And uh, I can recall even when I was in elementary school, we did the Pledge of Allegiance of the Flag, we did the Star Spangled Banner, and we did uh, Dixie. You know, the uh, Southern uh, National Anthem, so the Confederate National Anthem. So uh, growing up in the South was, uh, oh boy, it was an experience. You know, well, Claude, but- you know what, uh, Hayward has jumped on, so uh, we're gonna finish your story uh, later. But I was born in Charity Hospital on the colored side in Shreveport, Louisiana in 42 myself. So I know exactly what you're saying. So Hayward, you got about three minutes to tell oh, he's connecting. He's not even here yet, Claude. He's a little, a little tardy today. So, but anyway, while he's connecting, I want to thank Sound Transit Office of Civil Rights, Equity, and Inclusion, the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office, the City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services Department, SeaTac Bar Group LLC, the two brothers that own the African Lounge Mountain Room Bar, Jerry Whitsett and Ron O'Neill, and Hayward is still connecting, Claude. I never should have stopped you. <laughs> so that's okay. I, well, I'm gonna have to get Hayward next week. But uh, anyway, uh, now it's almost time for us to pull out because I got to take another break. And uh, so thank y'all, but Claude, you know what? People need to hear that story. So. Uh, I went to, I'm going to get a recording and have you do the whole thing. I'm going to put it on my website because people need to hear from folks, you know, uh, like a lot of people, 40 and 50, uh, even 60, didn't face the same things that we face. So uh, anyway, uh, I'm going to have Barry go ahead and take this break, and we're going to Martin Luther King out. So uh, I have to catch Hayward next time. So, uh, Kendra, thank you very much for the work you're doing. Claude, thank you for all the work you always do. Any brother have 10 meetings every day is he is one of the most busiest brothers in, in Washington State. Mm-hmm. Thank you all. At Sound Transit, we not only give people more reliable ways to get around, we're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire system of opportunities like jobs, school, friends and family, and to the airport. 
Our commitment to economic development provides opportunities for women and people of color to compete fairly for sound transit contracts. All of this helps our regional workforce grow and thrive. Go to soundtransit.org and search DBE to learn more. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community, and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. 